Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Secret Origins of Mint Condition. This is a back of the store chat edition, and uh, joining me in the back of the store today is Joe. Hey, folks, how you doing? And Chris. Hey, y'all. And also joining us in the back of the store today is Adrian. Hello. And Ray, it's kind of feels like in the old days we would be doing this because we're recording this on a weekend audience, and uh, we'd be like wrapping up after a birthday party or something. And yeah, uh, that's actually that's yeah, yeah, you know, that's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, all right, so back in the store chat. Um, at the time when this is coming out, this will probably be two weeks removed from when this episode when we record this episode and the news we're talking about. But I think it's still valid. So to get into our first topic, I'm just going to quote: "You want to get nuts." Let's get nuts. So, Chris, <laughs> I got to go to you first because uh, you lovingly hate this. The, the second Flash trailer has come out, probably the last one before the movie. What are your thoughts about this movie I, currently? You just, you just like seeing me in agony. Um, <laughs> it's really good, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it looks really interesting. I, I, you know, it's not lost on me that they're spending a lot of time and energy focusing on, on Batman. Um, and specifically Michael Keaton. So it's, it's, I I don't, you know, I don't know if that's because, uh, that's one of the best parts of the movie. I don't know if that's partially because of the, um, you know, off camera stuff that's been happening with Ezra Miller, uh, that had people questioning whether or not he was going to be replaced as, or excuse me, I think they used they, um, whether or not they were going to be used, uh, moving forward as flash or replaced, but Whatever, whatever the reason, honestly, like even if it's even if it's a gimmick, it doesn't feel like a gimmick uh, in this trailer. I think the trailer is it looks exciting. It looks like it's it's obviously a, a different flashpoint hmm. than the book. Right. Because this is he makes it clear this is Bruce Wayne, not Thomas Wayne. So I I don't know. I'm 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 angry about it because I really, you know, this is when you give up on a sports team and then they surprise you. <laughs> But they haven't actually finished the job yet, so it's still upsetting. And that's where I am with the DC cinematic universe. Like, there's there's been good television. Um, some of it I could take or leave. And some of it is like, yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. I don't love it or anything, but I enjoy it. Um, it does not offend me through its sheer existence like some of the movies do. <laughs> um, in this case, now I'm excited about Blue Beetle. And I am actually excited about the Flash movie. And, and that just, I'll be honest, it just bugs me. So um, it sounds ridiculous, but I, th- I thought this new trailer was really exciting. It makes the movie look even better. Um, and it, it it feels like it really incorporates some of the best of Michael Keaton. You know, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. You know, the, the action scenes, him jumping out of the plane, like it's all good. So yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually excited to see it now. It, it made it look really good. And uh, I thought the trailer opened great with, I forget the specific line where he's saying like, he's been trying to rectify the death of his parents this whole time. And, the, and he's like, but you actually did it. Yeah. It was like very like a profound line and, and kind of set the mood. But uh, Adrian, you have not been here to talk about the previous two trailers. So what do you currently think of the new Flash trailer? Uh, I also think it looks pretty good. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. And similarly to what Chris said, I... Well, I I haven't been all that into the DC movies. Obviously, I've been enjoying all the DC shows. But yeah, the movies have just been a little too dark, a little too gloomy, a little too... I don't want to say too stylized because I I mean, comic book things, like I appreciate seeing cool style and that sort of thing. But like sometimes 
some of them felt like they were beating you over the head with it. And as opposed to giving a story that I enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed the first Shazam movie. I, uh, I enjoyed this second Shazam movie. It's, it's silly. It's fun. You know, it's, it was fun. But yeah, I was thinking, but the uh, and and I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman movie, but the other DC movies as a whole, not so much. So this, the trailer looks good. Also, Blue Beetle, I agree, that looks like a lot of fun. Um, so I am looking forward to both of them. And I did, you know, being out here in uh, the industry, as they say, uh, <laughs> I have I have heard a little. I'm not I'm not going to say anything. Obviously, the person who informed me did not say anything. But there, uh, I have heard from some people who've seen it uh, that it is good. <laughs> so, no, I mean that's that's promising. And you'd mentioned pre- previously on the Facebook page there, Adrian. <laughs> you know, my son, <laughs> noises, I think I don't know. He's excited, Chris. He's excited. He's excited. He's excited. <laughs> um, you know, you had mentioned on the on the Facebook page in the in the group, Adrian, that like. You know, it's nice when there's something for everybody and like yes. knowing knowing your taste and the things that you enjoy. Yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me that you haven't really been watching uh, the DC movies outside of, like you mentioned, Shazam, uh, because, you know, you talk about it's it's nice when you're looking at something like the MCU where there's something for everyone. And mm-hmm. the DC universe really hasn't had anything for you in years, like literally years um, yeah, I loved the first Shazam movie. I was like, this is the type of movie that I like. Right. And then when they were saying they were restarting everything and it sounded like everything was getting wiped out, I was like, oh, man, that means no more Shazam. But then they had Shazam, but then a lot of people didn't go see it because everyone's like, oh, they're restarting it. So why should we see something that doesn't matter? What does it matter if it matters or not? There, It's enjoy a movie. <laughs> You know, it's not well, sure. We watch we watch Elseworlds, right? We watch and read Elseworlds. We watch and read um what if, so Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Movie. I'm and, and this is gonna do that. I mean the entire purpose of this movie is to say everything everything exists but all in different universes, basically. It's I mean I have I had heard a few um I mean, I no one's given specifics I, because I don't think they can. I, I saw a few people interview that's seen the movie. They say it's really good. Um, they do say it gives a new launching point for James Gunn's universe. But uh, but Joe, what do you what were your thoughts about this recent trailer? Well, this trailer and the first Flash trailer, the, the first thing that hit me was that Barry Allen, aka the Flash, is no longer wearing uh, Chevy parts from a '57 Chevy Bel Air uh, uh, red and white convertible. He's got a real suit, so I, I kind of like that. Um, and um, I'm intrigued by the whole Supergirl Zod um, thing that's going on in this film. This is, I want to see what's happening here. You know, uh, did Zod kill kal in his crib on Krypton? Is that why, you know, the, the, I, want to, I want to find out what's happening here. You know, what happened to Kal-El and, uh, and how, how Kara's involved in this. If she is, I, I assume she's Kara. I don't, I'm just going to assume that for now. But, um, and there's lots of Batman. And, I, I, you know, I think Michael Keaton looks great as, as Batman. And um, it, it looks like it's um, it's going to be a story that's told, uh, you know, as you said, James, um, Keaton was trying to revenge his, uh, his family, the death of his parents for, for, you know, his entire adult life. And Barry actually did it. So I think that's the entire crux of the film. We're going to see that played off against each other, those two characters. So, you know, well, I have very, uh, very hopeful that uh, this is going to be a lot better than recent DC movie uh offerings 
So fingers crossed. I have heard that there is actually humor in it too. So Aha. that's a plus. Oh my God. What a classic humor. <laughs> it's yeah. I've never really, I, I don't understand why they, they keep dodging that particular bullet. Like I can appreciate if you don't want to make it slapstick. Great. Don't make it. You can do humor without it being slapstick. Exactly. You just use it. I think this is something that for whatever reason, a lot of these creators have not, have not really considered the possibility of, using humor as a tool right it's part of your storytelling it's start of your story part of your storytelling arsenal it's not just you're writing a comedy it's it's a tool that you use to break tension and like people don't need to be uncomfortable throughout an entire movie in fact it's really not sustainable so i don't know i could i could think of a scene from the the very first uh, superhero film uh superman the movie and there's, there's there's humor throughout that film but one of my favorite scenes after Superman runs the gauntlet, uh, underground gauntlet that Luther throws at him, he smashes down the door and he goes, oh, just check the gentleman's cape. I don't think he wants me to do Mr. Luthor. You know, because <laughs> he gives him that, because yeah. gives him that stare. It's, that's a, that's a funny moment and it actually fits into that, into that scene in the film. It actually fits right there. It doesn't, it doesn't feel forced. And um, that's the type of thing I want to see in these films. I agree with Adrian. We need, uh, not slapstick and not camp, but humor is very important to these films. Yeah, the hu- humor makes the serious moments hit harder sometimes, yes, and makes exactly. the and then the serious moments make the humor hit harder sometimes, yeah. or funnier and lighter. Yeah, I mean Keaton's Batman is the perfect, I think, Batman who's self aware enough to make fun of himself or to have fun. Yes. I mean, if you go back to the original Batman, where he's like, "Have you?" She's like, "Have you ever eaten in this room before?" He's like, "Wait a minute." No, I don't know. Yeah. I've been in this room before in my entire life. Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and you can't exactly argue that. You can't exactly argue that it's campy, right? Or that it's no. not dark. <laughs> I mean, in the trailer, we've already seen like he's, you know, the trailer has funny moments in it. I mean, the first trailer had what, um, you know, Barry taking a picture of Supergirl outside the Batwing. And he's, right. and they're, they're like, what are you doing? He's like, our kids are going to want to see this. Um, and then with this trailer, like I said, him saying the want to get nuts, get let's get nuts line. I think he, you know, he's self-aware enough to know, like, know himself and be funny about it. So I'm looking forward to this being funny, and I think Keaton's the best. And I think Batman, Batman, the Batman the animated series, you know, the Batman. I think we all agree mm-hmm. is is mm-hmm. the Batman in terms of like the Batman. Um, at putting like you know live action versus cartoon aside, um, he's funny in that. He's funny with Alfred. He's funny with Dick. He's fun. He's funny with Tim. Uh, he's he's aware enough to be funny when the situation re- requires him to be funny. So, mm-hmm. uh, well. I guess uh, our next phase, I mean, it's funny, we kicked off the back of the store chat uh, series with the first Flash trailer, and we're still talking about the Flash trailer. So uh, at some point, we will see this movie and get to actually speak about the Flash. So uh, we'll get there. We're all going to get their audience, and we'll talk about that probably in its own episode. But uh, but Joe, you had uh, something you wanted to bring up in this episode today. Yes, uh, and that's why I'm so happy that Adrian is joining us uh, for multiple reasons. I'm happy she's joining us. But uh, Adrian... Superman and Lois, season three. Um, it's been incredible, it has hasn't it? Awesome. It has so been I, so good. Go ahead, tell me. <laughs> Just, oh no, I, uh, I I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I like I loved season one. Then season two I enjoyed, but I it I wasn't as into it, especially in the beginning. I think as it went on, I liked it more. I think I didn't like I I can't stand it when there's this like somebody can't win. And or there was just that uh, I can't even remember. I blocked it out. Uh, But the bad guy at the beginning who didn't turn out to be a bad guy, per se. Mm -hmm. But there was like one person that was just 
constantly giving Superman a hard time at the at the DOD and I, he was driving me nuts and so I think that was one of the reasons that I was having a hard time with season two at the beginning but then like I don't know I, like how spoilery do we get here <laughs> um, <laughs> I say I say we used to get pretty spo- we would sort of ask around and then as long as nobody was if anybody had a problem with it, they go to go to the front of the store usually like but we yeah. <laughs> so be spoilery well, they go yeah, to okay. get, get, get a sandwich or something yeah yeah <laughs> so season two wound up uh being uh, bizarro world was mm-hmm. the the main storyline and and once they got into that stuff and then like the you know it there it took some really interesting turns um, and now some bizarre this season, turns, yes. some bizarre <laughs> turns, exactly. And then, uh, and then this season, like right off the bat, I, I think because it's become uh, it's back to being more grounded in yes, reality so. and and these characters. Um, whereas I think last season was probably a little more plot driven and uh, world driven mm-hmm. than um, than the characters. And and I think one of the things that's great about this show is the characters and the bond and the actors playing them one of the actors changed um right jonathan Jonathan kent right yeah but i it's it's funny i was i was like worried at first not worried but just kind of like okay it's going to be weird to see somebody else but the funny thing is i he looks he looks a little bit like the previous one Mm -hmm. and he looks more like the rest of the Kent family. So he looks more related oh, to them than the point. other one did in a way. And he, his acting style does seem rather similar to the previous one. So it, it actually has been a pretty smooth, uh, you know, it hasn't been that jarring that it's a different person. Um, but they've given, they've given all of them storylines going on. Uh, and, and Lois's story. Okay. See, again, it goes into spoiler spoilers. Yeah, big, big spoiler, spoiler alert. Lois uh, has cancer and aggressive cancer mm-hmm. in this season. And it's been like they're just handling it really realistically. And and it's it's been very emotional. And, and also, you know, taking on Superman, who's used to being able to save her and, uh, you know, and here's something that he can't necessarily save her from. Uh, and... It, it's so it's it's emotional they're handling it really well and they, they're just so good the two of them are such a good clark and lois um that yeah they have great I just, chemistry. I love the show as you know i'm very fond of of lois and clark the new adventures of superman and that show was built on the chemistry between uh, terry hatcher and dean kane but mm-hmm. bitsy tollick and uh, and tyler hoakland have they are establishing some incredible chemistry. You're right. It's really, really. And, and this this not being a romantic comedy adventure, this being more of a family drama grounded mm-hmm. in reality that happens to have a superhero in it. It's a different take, obviously, 30 years plus later than, than that show. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's difference makes it uh, that much more special, I think. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I, I enjoy, I, I too am enjoying this season as a more grounded season than, than last season. I kind of got lost along the way sometimes last year. I'm yeah. not sure exactly what was going on. I think they, I think they, uh, they were kind of shifting, and of course, at the very end, we find out that the show does not take place in the quote-unquote Arrowverse. When oh uh, yeah, Sam, that was right. That's <laughs> when, when Sam when Sam Wayne uh, tells his two grandsons, uh, "I've seen worlds with with leagues of superheroes, and this world may not have it, but trust me, you, uh, boys, your father can handle this when he when he saves the Earth from the square Bizarro world." So yeah, yeah, 
Um, this, you know, this, and also I, I like the, um, I like where they're going with um, John Henry and Natalie. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, they, they were they were absent from this past episode. They were conspicuous right. why they're absent because they're such great characters. And um, uh, we finally got to see a little bit more of the of, of the the younger child in the, in the Cushing family, Lana's family. <laughs> <laughs> she lost her sister, <laughs> and, and that was that was actually kind of funny. It was yeah. it was like a sad storyline, but at the same time, it was kind of funny because she's everybody keeps forgetting she exists yeah. Yeah. in actuality because they never show her. And then the episode was nobody likes me, everybody's leaving me. You know, everyone keeps forgetting about me. <laughs> you know what I was thinking of, Adrian? When 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 she said that, I thought of two characters that disappeared. Uh, Chuck in season two of Happy Days went upstairs and never came back down. Richie's older brother, and Laura had a younger Laura had a younger sister in Family Matters, and she went upstairs, and she never came down after season oh, two yeah. or three. So <laughs> I was thinking, are they going to do the same thing with the other, with the other uh, Lane child, Lane child? And thank, thankfully, they didn't do that because they're they're, they're, savvy, they're uh, savvy showrunners. And well, she was also really bratty in the first season, so I kind of yeah. didn't mind her not being there. But um... well, she's a little kid, you know. Little kids can be that, you know. But they, you know, I, I like the fact that it was Jonathan who kind of. And yes. um, spoke to her there, and you know, and, uh, brought her back, so to speak, because he can yeah. he can understand what she's going through, because he's gone through that, and he's living that also. I felt so, bad for him at the end of the episode where he finally uh, gets his name on a shirt, and uh, and then they come, oh, you saved it. <laughs> it's like, oh man, it gets undercut again. <laughs> Give him <Yeah>. something. <laughs> yeah, they're, no, they're 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 teaching they they're um doing well by him i think uh he's getting his story arcs and and uh, we'll see i'm sure he's gonna have a very important role to play this season as they all will mm-hmm. and obviously we haven't we've buried the lead here um bruno Mannheim, right yes oh boy i mean this is an interesting turn on on, on a villain who you know at least in in uh canon is is tied to uh dark side and apocalypse we haven't seen that yet we don't know if that's coming but Lois is being treated at his, his his hospital in Hobbs Bay. And and then the big reveal at the end about Anamanapia and who she really is. Wow. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I like I've heard the name Bruno Mannheim. Um so when they said it, I was like, Oh, I've heard that name, but I know nothing about him. I definitely had never heard of Anamanapia as a character. Oh wait, they're using Anamanapia, Joe? Yeah, they're using Anamanapia. Kind of the Kevin Smith villain that he created for Arrow for Green Arrow. Oh, that's yes. pretty cool. And and Chris, the actor that plays Mannheim. Uh, was Fred Johnson in um, in uh, your favorite sci-fi series? Oh, sure. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's really good. Yeah, no, I really because he was um, even before that. I mean, it's funny because he really does sort of now. I guess he's sort of crossing all genres because um, you figure he's in Superman and Lois now. Before that, he was in The Expanse, and before that, he was in Walking Dead, and he was in The Orville. <laughs> oh, there That's you go. Right. So, yeah, so he really is. He's across all genres, which is which is pretty cool. And and the actor that plays Sam Wayne. Uh, mm-hmm. has two roles on TV currently. He, he plays Sam Lane, father of Lois, uh, Lois Lane. And, uh, but he also pops up every now and then on uh, Blue Bloods uh, here in, uh, let's say, film here in New York. So he's got a, he's got a hell of a trip back and forth between oh, Vancouver geez, and New yeah. York. He plays <laughs> the mayor of New York City, and he's always locking horns with Frank, uh, with uh, the commissioner, uh, Frank Reagan. So, and he was a recent episode, they really locked horns. And it was a very, he's a very good actor. He's got a good range. And um, this it's is just an amazing, they, amazing show. They had me working on Nip Tuck, and he's in that, but that's a long oh. time ago. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what? it's Lois Lane's father. <laughs> what is his name? Dylan? What is his name again? 
Adrian, do you know? You know as soon as you said that, it left my mind. Um, Still, is something I wish I, I should prepare better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know it, it. I know it, but um, yeah, you, yeah, I blanked. <laughs> Now, are they um, not doing, or they did, I guess, kind of, I mean, because I, I only know bits and pieces of the story just because of, you know, what crosses, like, news in terms of pop culture news or people bring up on other podcasts to listen to, but they have a new Lex Luthor also this season, or they will? Luthor will be coming soon, yes. And apparently, oh, okay. Adrian, he's been in jail for many years, right? You saw that? Did you see the trailer? I Can didn't you... see the trailer. Um, I, I had heard a little buzz at the beginning of the season about Lex Luthor, but um, I be, did. It won't be John Cryer, no. No, John Cryer was a great Luther. <laughs> yeah, but he, that 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 version of that iteration of Luther would not fit in with this more grounded. No, uh, uh, no. Superman story. He was a little cartoony, but right. uh, yeah, James Luther is coming. And remember, this, this Superman has been operating for 20, 20 years at this point in this storyline, and been married to Lois at least about sixteen or maybe even seventeen because the boys just turned sixteen years old. So right. Luther's been incarcerated for a very, very long time. They, they, they mentioned that in the trailer. So he's, he's coming out of jail with a big hate, with a big mad on for Superman, obviously. Yeah. The, you know, I, Joe, I want to ask you, and, and Adrian, I guess, too, and, and Chris, you can weigh on this, too, because this kind of tangentially applies to what, what you guys have been talking about with the show. Like, I remember, so this is, Superman's the only metahuman in the show, uh, other than part than Superman family, I guess? Yeah, I mean, we, we have John Henry Irons as, as Steel, and right. even Nat, Nat yeah, just doing this, put, put the armor on once already. But he's the only superhero that, that we know of in this well, world. And, yes. and then Jordan is in training. Jordan's in training. He's effectively Superboy right now, yes. But he needs a name. That was one of the problems in the last yeah. episode is he actually helped him and and then gets hurt. And he's like, Jordan, Jordan. It's like he's wearing a hood and goggles to hide his identity. And then you go and say his name. <laughs> well, he's, a, he's a father who's just saw his son. Oh, a no, I understand that. Can, I can understand that. He'll, he'll get a code name. Yeah, that, that, that's all I mean. I absolutely it, agree. <laughs> hopefully it'll be better than the red, blue, blur. Blur or just a blur. Those were stupid. Uh, and I know people are small than I do too, but that was ridiculous. They could have come up with something better than that. The red, blue, blur. Say that five times fast without stopping. Well, kind of what I wanted to like jump on. I thank you for both of you answering that. Is um is I know that at one point DC, in terms of like their many machinations of what were they were going to do, and maybe this is still on the table. They were going to do a universe where Batman and Superman and some of the characters existed, and no other superheroes existed. So do you like the fact that this is like removed, aside from being removed from continuity, that he is the only superhero in this universe? Is that, does that butt up against that at all? Or you're just, the story is so great, it doesn't matter. What do you think, Adrian? Um, it, right now it doesn't matter story-wise. The thing is, I do like ensembles. So I was a little disappointed to find out that it wasn't part of the Arrowverse because I was looking forward to seeing some of those characters come in. And I mean, I, like I always get excited whenever Diggle shows up. He doesn't show up that often, but every once in a while he shows up. I'm sure originally they did intend to have it be part of that universe. Mm -hmm. But then as all the other shows got canceled, it was kind of like, well, why, you know, we don't need to worry about crossovers. So why bother doing, you know, let's just have it be its own thing so we can do our own continuity. And I, I understand that. I was a little disappointed um, because I I do I mean the thing I've liked about the Arrowverse is all the characters and the way the actors have per portrayed them so I'll be you know, yes. disappointed not to see them anymore um, but at the same time 
the stories have been really good. The characters have been really good. The actors have been great. So, um, so it doesn't really matter overall. But if you know, if they show like Smallville, I stopped watching Smallville at some point in or just after season three, and. But anytime, uh, you know, they bring in another DC character, that would be when I tune in Bounce back and in, watch. Yeah. And I'd be like totally lost on whatever the ongoing story was. But I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. hey, it's this person. Yay. <laughs> well, um, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, there was, a, there was an episode. It might have been in the first season or maybe it was early last season when Diggle shows up to help Clark. And he does actually mention Ollie. So, mm-hmm. And then later on, at the very end of season two, Diggle shows up again, but this time he's he's he has hair, and he's obviously warning he's he's warning John Henry about Bruno Mannheim, and he's not the same Diggle, it's because at that point uh, Sam Lane just told the boys Superman is the only superhero on this planet, so they they, they did a, they did a tonal shift as vis a vis the Arrowverse right mid season last year, and I, I you know it doesn't bother me. Um, Superman is the first superhero, only he's been around 20 years in this continuity, so there must be other heroes out there that he just hasn't met yet. Probably mm-hmm. the Batman. But, um, you know, I go back to the adventures of Superman when I was a kid. I didn't know there was any other superheroes around. It was a Superman. He was, he was the protector of Metropolis and the entire planet. It was fine by me then. So as, as long as the stories are well written, um, I have no problem with this, really. Uh, there's, there's plenty of characters to, to, <laughs> to uh, you know, uh, to mine. Yeah, that we don't have, we don't have to bring a parade of uh, superheroes at, uh, in, at this point of the series. Yeah, no, that's that's that's. A, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, because I I'm I'm always like you know interested like when they I hear these rumblings like they're oh let's let's do a series where there's no other superheroes except this one. I'm like, well, that, you know, part of the fun as as Adrian mentioned is the interaction between the heroes. I mean, that's uh, some of the best parts is when the heroes are interacting either in costume or out of costume, but. Mm-hmm. If the uh, yeah, but I grew up. I grew up like for my you know you had the Avengers Superman. I had the Incredible Hulk, and yeah, the Incredible Hulk was just the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. For, until they made those movies later when Thor and Daredevil showed up. All those but, horrible uh, movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I wasn't you know I also wasn't as fluent in comic book lore and Marvel history back then, so I wouldn't know if I would would have known or, or looking for it. I was just happy to have uh, have the Hulk each week show up and do his thing. So the Hulk is on CBS, right? I believe, yes, I believe yeah. so. Yes, and and, um, and Wonder Woman in the last two seasons was on CBS. I remember wishing back then that there would be a Hulk Wonder Woman crossover because it was on the same <laughs> network, but obviously it was different company, so it couldn't happen. But I always thought that would have been a cool throwdown: uh, Wonder Woman versus the Hulk, you know, Linda Carter versus uh, Lou Ferrigno. That would have been interesting. That would have been great. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna interject for a quick second. I wrote in our little private chat that I was gonna be right back. The reason I, I just thought everybody would enjoy this, especially because we talked a little bit about this uh, <clears throat> before we started. Um, but the reason I'm gonna be right back is because Eli is in the living room. He came in. He's like, "Daddy, can I watch? Um, can I watch Jordan on the roller coaster?" And what he's referring to is an episode called be a clown in the first season of Batman, the animated series. It's like his favorite episode um, (laughs) where Jordan, uh, the the mayor's son, Mayor Hill's son, runs off with the Joker and tries to become a clown. So, uh, so I'll be right back. I'm going to throw that Blu-ray on, but, but again, moment, a moment of Papa pride. That's all. Oh, fantastic. It's got good taste. (laughs) Oh, uh, uh, Lois's father, the actor is Dylan Walsh. Dylan Walsh, thank you. I was like, how did I forget that? <laughs> he's been around a long time. He's, he's mm-hmm. a very good actor. He really is. Uh, um, the scene when Lois, and they, I love the way they did that, when Lois has to tell all her friends and family that she has cancer and the way they did that, 
and you know they, they, they tell the Cushing's, the Cushing Lang family. They tell the uh, uh, John and Nat. And when she tells her father, they save that for last. When she tells her father, you know, here's this tough army general. He's faced off against, you know, all the bad guys the world could throw at him, and and uh, he just breaks down. It's really a touching, touching moment. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the way the way she told Clark also because it was oh, she when was she was saving him to. The what was it? The judge. The judge was going to commit suicide by jumping off the roof. Yeah, that was incredible. She thought she was going to be killed by Mannheim, and um, and Lois had been keeping it in the whole mm-hmm. time and didn't want to tell anybody, uh, you know, or she didn't know how to tell anybody. And then Superman's like floating off the, you yeah. know, a, a little distance from yeah, the about a quarter of a mile away. Yeah, and she and she tells the judge who's about to to commit suicide um that she's also you know she doesn't she's scared too she's there's something out of her control and blah blah, blah. and and she tells her that she has cancer and then she looks at clark and yeah, or at superman she, he, he heard her right exactly and and that's how he finds out and then like once the roof's clear they have their moment together um but yeah, yeah that great. was that was great and what's great about that scene is that superman knows not to rush in and grab right. the judge. Let Lo- Lois is handling the situation, and, and Lois uh, needs to handle the situation. Lois needs to handle the situation. Exactly. Yeah. That's good writing. That's mm-hmm. and and that's Lois Lane to a T. I've mm-hmm. always said the, the the second toughest person in Metropolis is Lois Lane after Superman, and sometimes she might be even tougher than Superman. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I mean um, that was a beautiful scene. Uh, you know, I got I choked up. I got teary eyed. I got to admit that. Oh, that's yeah. one of the best scenes I've seen in a live action Superman TV or movie ever. That scene. Highly recommend that episode to anybody. Just tune to that episode and just watch that scene and you'll understand what the show is about. They they write it so well because like they have them like they they write them so that you can tell they have been together a long time. Mm-hmm. They have a healthy relationship. Yep. Everything isn't always perfect. You know, they'll they get annoyed with each other sometimes or they'll yeah. have arguments and stuff, but then they resolve it in a realistic way. They're a it's- real mom and dad. Like the other night, I think it was the other episode with the boys tracking mud in the living room and they both love both <laughs> Lois and Clark. Come on, boys. That's the carpet. <laughs> the carpet. You know, that's what a real mom and dad would say and do, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very it's very it is, it's uh it's hard to believe it's on the cw right now but and i don't know where it's gonna i, I don't know if it's gonna continue because it doesn't fit into uh, obviously mr gunn's um you know um, they said universe. it was they said it probably had at least another season or two i don't know if that included this season yeah i've heard that too Adrian. sounded yes. like it had the potential to keep going because it is so good to cancel it just because oh you know we I, I, just just because of like the what politics of the of the the gun studio universe, right? or whatever yeah. i don't it's just such a good show it it does not deserve to be canceled yet <laughs> so. I, I still think it's drawing close to a million viewers an episode which is you know double what most cw shows or triple what most cw shows get and i guess it could always wind up on hbo or the new or what's going to be well it'll be called max as of max. May, <laughs> middle of may max i don't know say about that but um yeah, or maybe it'll maybe it'll find maybe it'll find its way to uh, Netflix. Who knows? So just I hope they continue it. Well, yeah. not to go to a not to go from a high point to possibly a lower point, but this is the last season of The Flash too, Adrian. Have you been watching that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, and actually, this week's episode was great. 
it was a before lot of you fun. go before you go further and i don't mind if you're spoiling it i, I gotta tell you Adrian, i only saw the first two episodes and i was just like i can't believe how this show used to be so good so i i didn't yeah I'm gonna it's wait. been hit or miss i'm gonna <laughs> wait till it winds up on netflix then i can watch it without commercials so i don't <laughs> have to spend an hour of my time watching it i can only spend 41 minutes of my time watching it i'm sorry but i I'm not a fan of the show anymore. But I, I would argue, too, though, that the way that they've done the show is, I think, very akin to the comics. And I say that uh, in that um, there are things that I definitely haven't enjoyed and I haven't kept up with. But I, but I did feel as though they were willing to try new and different things. They brought in old characters. They recycled old villains as well as old allies who then became villains or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes you would just have a run where you were like, yeah, I'm just not that interested in this storyline. So I actually, the more I think about it, I know that a lot of people like, and and I know we've discussed this before about CW shows in general is like people mock it with the teen romance and all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, I really have found that I, I think they are some of the, those CW shows are more akin to comic books and really get comic books in a way that I think, that I think a lot of other attempts to bring, uh, to bring it to live action. Don't really, uh, don't really grasp. Yeah. That's a, good, that's a fair yeah. point, Chris. I, I agree with that. I think sometimes they go a little bit too far though with, uh, <laughs> with the, um, the humor that doesn't land. And what my, my biggest complaint about most of the CW shows as they went on in later years was that they kept building up all these, supporting characters around the hero. And, uh, you know, Ollie had his arrow cave with half a dozen people in it. And Supergirl had a, had a bunch of people working with her. And the Flash. It's like, oh, it's it's constantly, they're telling Barry where to run. Literally telling him where to run. I mean, he's the Flash. I don't think he needs somebody in his ear all the time. So I, I just, that's that's my hang up with the but show. But I do think we ran into that in the comics. I don't know. This is, I'm, I'm reading some stuff right now um from like 2017 2018 where i'm finding that the humor is not landing with me because it feels like they're trying too hard and i also feel as though and maybe this is just my opinion but it feels a little bit like some some comic writers really do uh behave like teenagers in that they're like ooh you know we can get away and this is in television too i think but we can get away with like more cursing now like and then they find ways to like shoehorn it in um and excuse me, and I've got absolutely no problem with vulgarity. In fact, that's generally my performed, preferred form of communication. But, but um, especially when you're watching a hockey game, right? Oh God, always. <laughs> it doesn't even need to be that. I I can't remember. I think I shared on her on here about um the message I got one day from Eli. He was in a he's in preschool, and I got a message that he'd been brought to the principal's office, and I was like, oh, you know what what happened? Like, well, he was working on a puzzle with some kids and uh, I guess he got a little frustrated and he said, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I know where he got that from. <laughs> he's mad about it. Yeah. Um, but contextually, he used it correctly and he didn't use it to insult somebody. So I'm not mad there about it. There you go. Right? Um, <laughs> that matters right. to me. So, but anyway, um, you know, I think, so I think that people, I think you're right. Sometimes the humor does go a little bit far for me. Sometimes it feels a little forced, a little forced lightheartedness. And I, I wonder sometimes if that's because they, the writers genuinely think it's funny or if it's because they're, they don't want to go too dark and they're worried they are going maybe a little too dark. And sometimes like when I, when I think objectively about some of the stuff that CW's done, I'm like, that's actually pretty dark. Like it's framed in yeah. a kind of light way, but like, that's not light material. That's, that's decently dark. Oh, Arrow was very dark. And so was Black Lightning. Right, was- right. 
You know, there's um, another component about the jokes, Chris. Sometimes the actors that are employed, they may not have the chops to pull that off. Sure. Pull those off. No, that's so, definitely a possibility. And sometimes yeah. the, the the writing is just uh, if, like you said, it feels forced sometimes. But I guess I, I I guess my my thing is like I've run into that with with comic books too, and runs on comics, not just in dialogue, but like in art, where I'm like, I think I know what you're trying to do, but like mm. it's not working for me. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it feels a lot like also at some point, um, there's so much of it. There's so much of the CW flash. There's so much of arrow that like, I can't imagine every episode or every story arc landing for me. I can't imagine as a creator making, um, you know, making something that's so pitch perfect that all of it lands. Especially when you're talking full network season runs mm-hmm. a lot of people yeah. have gotten used to the shorter runs on cable or or that's a good yes. online that's a, yeah. and that sort of thing where it's you know it's a lot easier to tell a good story in in a tight six to ten episodes mm-hmm. yeah, call it season three <laughs> but um but when it's um 22 you know when you've got yeah. your 22 to 24 episodes yeah it's harder to do that and you know i think also with Flash, a lot of the criticisms I've heard of about Flash over the years was it had started out as the bright, lighter show, mm-hmm. and then the the storylines tended to be just like beating up on Barry, or he would just keep making right. bad decisions yeah, and then yeah. guilt trip himself through the... And it was like, this used to be the fun light show. How right. come, you know, it's like, let's be fun again. And I think that might also be where some of the jokes that don't land you know it's like we're supposed to be the, the light show get more jokes in there because we're beating up barry some more so we have to have <laughs> people really be let you know it, it, and i think that might be where some of the like disjointed yeah. aspects yeah. of it came from and this well, season I- hasn't been like this season has had good episodes and it's had eh episodes i don't think there's been well, any that i've been like i did not like that episode um but what episode this, has hit so far was episode nine or ten where where are they right now i yeah i think it was just nine because i think they're going to go 13 episodes is that right i can't remember i didn't have a truncated season yes actually i think you're right i think it is the other the other thing that i would say too about not just flash but any superhero story and this is something that i have felt from the time that i was that i was into comic books from the time when i was young um, but I've, I've been able to articulate it better as I've gotten older is, um, you know, I think we've all been through this where we've had to defend comic books as an art form. We've had to defend oh, yeah. that kind of storytelling. Um, I think that superhero storytelling is some of the toughest around because it can be so difficult to strike a balance between I want to see cool stuff and that character needs to be a person. And the more powerful the character is, the harder it is to tell the story. You can tell a bunch of you know, for example, like kick-ass, you can tell a bunch of kick-ass stories because it's just a kid who like, well, you know, doesn't feel that much pain, but he's just a kid. Um, You know, even Batman has gotten harder to tell as they've made him more and more sort of superpowered. I still remember at the time I loved it, but there was an issue of the flash where like somebody tricked him. I think it was weather wizard into running around with this device uh, during a race. And basically the, the device was powering uh, a machine, but he was using it to like scan for metahuman abilities. And Batman is so skilled in every way that he actually his he registers as a metahuman on this thing. Um, but like 
the more powers we give these characters, the harder, and this sort of takes me back a little bit to what you were asking earlier, James, about what do you think about a universe in which, you know, Superman and that group of people is the, are the only metahumans. Um, I think there's some really interesting stuff to do there, but part of the problem with creating characters like Green Lantern is you end up with these arbitrary, and now it's, I understand it's been fleshed out differently, but you end up with arbitrary weaknesses like yellow, <laughs> right because it's just it's they're so powerful it gets hard to tell compelling and interesting stories where you can actually build tension right so i think to that end i think this is some of the most difficult storytelling when you have a character like the flash who doesn't just run fast but like can go intangible and can power incredible machines and can steal kinetic energy from a bullet right can do so many different things it gets hard to t- harder to tell those stories so that's another thing that i i as I've gotten older, I think I've hit a point where um, I want to afford those writers a little bit more grace because I think that storytelling gets more and more difficult with some of these with some of these superheroes. Yeah, the, C- the CW Flash can throw lightning too, <laughs> right, Adrian? Yeah. Oh, yeah. he can he can turn the lightning into objects. <laughs> oh, really? That's this season? I didn't. I didn't no, at the end of last season. Oh, with, was, yeah. with the sword fight. <laughs> That was that was a facepalm moment, but it was yeah. it was like fun, but also the like oh my god, duel, the lightsaber duel. Yeah, yeah. Pete and I had a lot to say about that one night when we were t- discussing it. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> yes, I forgot that. Thankfully, I forgot it. Uh, <laughs> it made me laugh and it made me groan. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember enjoying that last episode, as I recall. See, that's the thing is the Flash has been a little more, I guess forgettable i remember the character moments because again i like the characters and i like the characters interactions and and when it's just them hanging out and talking and just doing random stuff those tend to be the parts that i remember whereas i have a harder time remembering you know the actual like several episode arcs or season long arcs i have a harder time because they just kind of keep beating them while they're down mm. and then and then do something cool and then do something funny and then beat them while they're down again and then do something cool and it's over and and it's like i just remember these moments i don't really remember oh this was a great season or anything like that but, uh, yeah i agree with that but this one's had this this season has had some good moments, probably because they have been having some uh, guest stars. You know, they they have you know because it is wrapping up the Arrowverse basically. Also, so has Ali appeared yet? Yeah. <laughs> you can tell me. You can tell me. Yeah, that was this week's episode. Right, don't tell me anymore. But just all right. So I'll, I'll, I don't. Want to it was good. It. it was good. All right, that's okay. All right. So, well, I knew everybody knew he was everybody who followed. It's true, and there was an ad for it. Like yeah, it, it, you knew he was going to be there. Yeah, so. We knew that. We knew that. So that's, that's not a big uh, spoiler, no. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just don't give us his motivations right now. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, won't, I won't give any details, but that was this week's episode, and it was a good okay. one. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with, you know, um, I agree with you, Chris. I mean, I, I'm the first person to say that I, I also appreciate when a writer just show me something new. I may not always like it, but show me something different and new and it is hard to write a long uh, stretch of television. I mean, you know, I, I mean, unfortunately, sometimes people, you know, especially these days, some there's some shows that I'm not going to get into deeper detail now, but um, that that run that shorter eight to ten episode thing, and it seems like that they still have fluff in them when they don't need to have fluff in them. But writing twenty episodes uh, is is like a lot 
for any writer's room to do, I think, these days, especially with superhero characters. So when they try for something new, it may not be for me, but I appreciate that it is for somebody. So that's uh, that's kind of where I've wound up these days when I watch something. It's, this, it's, it's just not for me, maybe. Or I'm just not getting the writing. Or writing's a hard job, and I'm going to give the writer some grace, but it, I'm, I'm just probably not going to stick around for it. So, Yeah, yeah I tried I mean, watching, what was it, Gotham Knights? And I like the first episode didn't do that much for me. The second episode was better, but then my DVR didn't record the third episode and I just never got around to watching it. And then I'm just kind of like, eh, no, I wasn't that attached to it. So you catch it on Netflix. <laughs> no, I don't see myself doing that actually. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, listen, I couldn't stick with Gotham either. So it was like the first season of Gotham. And then I was like, this is, it's, it yeah. was fine. I mean, people love Gotham. There's big fans of Gotham. It just wasn't, it wasn't for me. I so, got you know, to barely through season two jeans when I gave up also. Yeah, but Gotham. Yeah. I had given up on Gotham after a few episodes also, but then they had me spot conforming episodes a year or two ago. Oh. And like, like from the later seasons. And I'm sitting there working on it. And, and when I spot conform, I don't watch the entire show i just you know i i pull in my audio line it up with the guide track that comes with the video and make sure that everything you know i just kind of click around and make sure it's in sync and when i have an entire season of television it's basically like i'm getting like a season-long ad for it because i'm just yeah. seeing little snippets in order and I, and i have to say as i was doing that i was going all right, I got to give Gotham another chance because this actually looks good. And I was there were a few points where I was going, wait, what's going to happen? What's, you know, I'd try to find a good spot in the next episode yeah. to see what was happening. But yeah, I haven't done that yet, but I'll probably go back and watch that one at some point. I mean, there's so many, so much stuff that yeah. um, there's just <laughs> so much content. Before, but yes. yeah, and I, I mean, you know, my thing with Gotham is the, all the actors that they got and the portrayals of the of the villains were fine and I mean, everyone was fine. I just, I don't know. It's just, it just didn't grab me. But I, like I said, I appreciate that it's there and it grabs a lot of people. A lot of people think Gotham is amazing. It was their Smallville, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever that generation that was growing up in that and for with Gotham. So, yeah, there's an audience for everything. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's hey. the thing is everybody likes different things. And just because somebody says that, you know, Somebody might not like something, but other people do. <laughs> it's okay. Well, you know, I, I've admitted before and I'll admit it again. I watched all nine seasons of Desperate Housewives. <laughs> I'm man enough to admit that. I loved it. Yeah. Obviously, the, the draw was Terry Hatcher, but it was really good. It was it was black comedy. It was it was just it was, and they literally get away with murder at the end. The four women <laughs> they literally get away with murder. So I. <laughs> They've asked well, Terry Hatcher if she's ever going to return to that. She goes, no one's called her. So, <laughs> Well, Joe, is, and I'll, I'll admit, like I, when it's Christmas time, I sit and watch Hallmark Christmas movies. And Ooh. I bring that up only because there is a movie with Terry Hatcher and one of the leading she's men talking. in uh, Desperate Housewives. And they, it's James like a Desperate Denton. House- yes, yes, yeah, James Denton. They, they did a movie together. <laughs> so she, I, was like, I was like, I should send this to Joe. Joe would love this. I've got to find <laughs> that film. Yeah, She talked about it at uh, StarCon last month. And, uh, and uh, she was on the panel with Dean Cain. And she talked about that movie. And... Um, the crowd, you know, gave her a big cheer. Apparently, people had a lot enjoyed it. So I'm going to find that film. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good movie for, especially for a Hallmark Christmas movie. It was yeah, <laughs> had a little uh, comic book twist to it as well. So, oh, um, well, um, I think we're uh, ready for recommendations. Um, unless there's anything else, any other topics that anyone wants to bring up in uh, the back of the store today. Well, we, my uh, recommendation is is a little bit. I, I call it. Um, comic book publishing history and I've got a recommendation, but I don't know if it's really a recommendation or just a 
something I want to talk about. So I'll, can I throw it out? Sure. Okay. Um, as you know, I'm reading uh, Marvel uh, monthly with my own comics and with the uh, Epic Editions. I'm up to 1974, and I just hit May 74. And something really happened cool in May 74. It was the first month, and May 74 meant the books were not more on sale in March because Marvel was always three months ahead of you know the uh, the, uh, the uh, stamp on the cover. If it said June, it was it was it was uh, it was uh, April. Or if it said May, it was it was it was March. Anyway, in the in the month of March, Marvel put out for the first time in its history three brand new Spider-Man books: Amazing Spider-Man, Marvel Team-Up, and the um, Super. What they call that thing it had a name: uh, Giant Size Superheroes Featuring Spider-Man. It's a, tongue, it's a mouthful. <laughs> but for a combined uh, twenty-five cents, twenty-five cents, and the giant size was thirty-five cents. So for eighty-five cents, you could have gotten over sixty pages of Spider-Man. It featured Spider-Man battling Mobius and. And the Man Wolf, and uh, you got the Hawkeye thrown in there. Uh, you got uh, the Molten Man. It was just, and, and I was getting ready to go to. That was the first semester in college, I think. Yes, it was. But even even Jaded Joe at that point <laughs> was like, "This is really cool." And um, it's you know now you imagine oh three Spider Man books in one month. Well, now you get like thirty Spider Man books in one month, or thirty X Men books. But it was an interesting publishing. Uh, 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 I think uh, experiment that they tried. You know how much could, they, could how much Spider Man could you put out in one month? And apparently it worked because that begat uh, later on more Spider Man books to what we have today. But I just want to um, uh, say that just get that you know get that across. It's an interesting uh, little, uh, moment in comic book publishing history. I thought I should have like a little, little thing Joe's moments in comic book history. There you go. <laughs> you can migrate that over to the comics corner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Joe, since you are brought up, do you have recommendations for this yeah, week? My recommendation is going to be, um, hopefully it's on our non-sponsor sponsor, but Amazing Spider-Man uh, Epic Edition Volume 8. Uh, subtitle is Man Wolf at Midnight. It's got, the cover has Hammerhead headbutting the Spider-Mobile. Because <laughs> there's a lot of Spider-Mobile in this, in this one. Um, there's some really cool stuff. And now, uh, two of the books I mentioned are in here. The, obviously, the Amazing Spider-Man and that uh, giant size. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think Marvel has done a uh, epic edition of Team Up yet, but hopefully that Marvel Team Up number 22 is also on uh, Hoopla. So I would recommend uh, just checking out the month of cover date, month of May 1974, if you're a Spider-Man fan. And uh, I think you'll enjoy those stories. It is on uh, Hoopla. Oh, it cool. is on. It is available. So yes. Those are my recommendations, James. Oh, fantastic. Um, Adrian, you got recommendations for us? Uh, sure. You know, it's funny. I was I was holding off on this one till uh, the Kingdom Haunt episode that we will hopefully inevitably do. Um, however, I figure um, you know what now is a good time also because um, it's the movie's called Son of Rambo, and Rambo is spelled with a W on the end. <laughs> um it's it's actually the first movie that will poulter was in who will be playing adam warlock on uh, you know this coming weekend in guardians it's a british movie made by the people who made uh the hitchhiker yeah hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy movie that came out in the early 2000s and it's it takes place in the early 80s and it is these two kids uh make a movie it and uh it's did i say it's a british movie it's a british movie um you did yes <laughs> okay i couldn't remember if i actually said that so um so it takes place 
in England in like 83, 84, I think 83. And, um, and it's, uh, uh, Will Poulter plays like this kind of bully kid that wants to make a movie and he has a video camera. And then Bill Milner, who actually played in the, uh, he played young Magneto in first class. I think it was when, when they did the flashbacks in, in X-Men first class, he plays this kid that, uh, in a, what are they called? Uh, Plymouth Brethren, which is kind of like Mennonite. And he's not allowed to watch movies or listen to music or anything like that. And they become friends making this movie. And he, and, and the religious kid happens to like the first movie that he sees is this bootleg copy of Rambo. And he decides that he wants to play the son of Rambo, but he can't spell it. Um, and so it's just this, <laughs> It's from a kid's point of view, so everything's a little, a little bigger or a little more wow than uh, than reality. And it's it's you know a movie about friendship, and then it's just also just the wackiness of kids trying to make a movie, which is why I was holding off recommending it until we did Kingdom Hawk. <laughs> sure. But it's just such a good movie. It's so funny um, and heartwarming that. Um, I just didn't want to hold off anymore. And I was like, oh, good. it's, it's sure. connection to Guardians then. Uh, but that one's really good. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I'm, I'm looking at my DVDs right now. Okay, really random. Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. When was the last oh. time you saw that? Who remembers that? <laughs> 1990s, right? That is extremely, extremely random. It, oh, yeah. You know, with uh, seeing the trailer for uh, Dial of Destiny, it was the... It, it was 90, 1990. 1990. Was when it came out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's Indiana Jones young meeting historical people mm -hmm. through, you know, through his adventures from like 10 through his teens and fights in world war one. He meets Pancho Villa in young Indiana Jones Chronicles. <laughs> there is that offhand comment in, uh, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and all these people online started cracking jokes about, oh, I want to see that story. I want to see that story. I said, they did it. It was in the young Indiana Jones. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was a fun show. And I, I learned a lot of random historical facts. That's the most I learned about World War One. I, I was uh, from that show because they didn't really teach you about World War One until junior high. So I was 10 mm -hmm. when that show came out. So uh yeah it was it was really interesting and a lot of fun and action-packed and yeah it i think it is only on dvd though so it's a little hard to come by but it's a good show yeah excellent recommendation yeah i'm surprised they haven't put that on well actually i don't think Indiana jones is even on disney plus anymore i think all that's on well on it's paramount yeah oh is it paramount it's oh. paramount and it was on cbs so i would it's imagine it would be on plus. paramount plus it's but i don't know plus of that yeah yeah, take a look. Yeah, well, that was a great. Thank you, Adrian. Um, Chris, what do you, you have? Any recommendations for this week? No, I do not. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't been watching anything other than hockey. Um, so uh, I haven't been watching anything other than hockey, and all of my reading has been for school. And I, I finally uh, wrapped up my first semester here, but uh, unfortunately, the titles that I've chosen to read are not worth recommending uh, with regards to some of the comics I picked up. So I'm. Rather than say something mean, I'm just not going to say anything at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, all right. That's fair. That's fair. That's very nice of you. That's very generous of you, Chris. Um, 
All right. Well, I'll wrap up with uh, I am uh, currently catching well catching up on and finishing Better Call Saul season six dropped on Netflix, so I'm getting to finally see that. It's it's excellent. I am no spoilers, yeah, please. I no spoilers, <laughs> but I I don't know. I might like this better than uh, than Breaking Bad. I Holy say. cow! Wow. Yeah, yeah. I um, and I have to say, Joe, and we'll have to maybe um, I think we'll have to do an episode at some point, you and me and Keith, on Better Call Saul, but um. I really feel um, it's it's really I think like the whole team Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould and the writers and like it's it's a, it's it's really amazing how they can draw you in to this the, the, this world that they've built and also how they can draw you in to care about like this show just takes its time on everything but you care about everything like watching them do like basic things and and everything just draws you into it so anyway so better better call Saul if you're if you're not. Uh, Watching that, you should start with season one, and if, if you probably maybe want to start with Breaking Bad or do Better Call Saul, then watch Breaking Bad because they're designed to like flow into each other, so mm-hmm. you can do it that way. And uh, I guess comic book recommendation wise, I have uh, I've been going back in time, and I went back and started rereading Nightwing Volume One, Bloodhaven by Denny O'Neill and Chuck Dixon. And, Ooh, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Great story. It's the, basically the foundation of the modern day Nightwing, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's still good. It still holds up, and it's him getting acclimated to his new home in Bloodhaven and separating himself with Batman. And it's it's just uh, it's a great read. So if you haven't uh, checked that out ever, it's on our non sponsor sponsor Hoopla. So go check it out. And I think that's all the the recommendations I want I have for this week. Okay. So well. Thank you, uh, everyone, for uh, joining us in the back of the store uh, for another back of the store chat. But I, uh, I could not do this episode without everyone else who is in the back of the store. So uh, first, let's uh, thank our guest, uh, Adrian. Thank you for coming. Oh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, thank you, Joe. Oh, thanks, James. And thank you, Adrian, for, for gracing us with your presence. And Chris, thank you. Always my pleasure. And again, I uh, can't help but echo. It's always a pleasure to have you here, Adrian. It's always fun to be here. <laughs> And listening audience, we're always happy to have you. If you have thoughts about the things we've said today, please uh, go to the Facebook group, The Secret Origins of Mint Condition, and you can post your thoughts and comments about what we've said today under the posting for this episode. If you uh, can, you can follow us also on Instagram at Secret Origins MC on, on Instagram. And uh, if you have time, rating and reviewing the, uh, the show always helps us, and sharing it with other people is also very helpful to us as well. And we thank you for listening, and we will talk to you on the next episode. 